Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Kanish Yeehaw podcast. I'm Natalie. And I'm Jared. And we are back again with another season review. So, spring 2023 just wrapped up, and we want to talk about uh, the things that we watched. Yeah. So, obviously, we're going to be talking about how things ended, so spoilers ahead, just so you know. Um, to start off, we wanted to start with the things that are continuing. So, mm-hmm. we had... Right. So, I watched uh, Gundam Witch from Mercury, and it was good. Um, it ended on a happy note, mm-hmm. which, for some reason, some Gundam fans were not happy about. Like, I don't know. They, they What it... is it with the mech fandom, where <laughs> happiness just can't be a thing? <laughs> it's because mech is war, and war is suffering, and that's kind of what Gundam usually is. But um, there are plenty of Gundam series that have happy endings, mm-hmm. so... Um, good on them for ending in a canonical lesbian marriage. Nice. Mm-hmm. Udna wins again. For real. Yes. Okay. And then the other thing that continued that we watched was Demon Slayer. Mm-hmm. So this arc was the Swordsmith Village arc in which essentially Tanjiro, after having the big epic battle in the Entertainment Art District, uh, is recovering, and his two friends, who I am forgetting the names of, other than Inosuke, <laughs> forgot the yellow one's name, sorry, <laughs> um, they recovered quicker because they didn't take as much as many injuries. Or they just recovered quicker. It was actually mm-hmm. really weird because Inosuke should have been like dead. Yeah. Um, it, so they like went off, did their own missions and stuff, and Tanjiro um, is, has this dilemma where he doesn't have a sword anymore because it broke. And his swordsmith doesn't want to make him another one, so he has to go and talk to him in person. And that's like actually that's how the it all starts off. So um, season progresses, and we are introduced to the main demons, which there are two of them. Uh, one is Gyoko, which is um, upper five, and he's the one in the vase. And then the other one is Hatengu, which is the one that has, like, six personalities. So, what did you think? They were really the cool. Demons? They were really cool demons. Yeah. Um, they were very unique. Mm-hmm. Like, the, some of the previous demons were kind of like, I am just strong. I'm just a demon. Yeah, it's yeah. like, they were for the most part still, hum- like, humanoid. Mm-hmm. And just kind of funky looking. Yeah, and yeah. they like this one was the first to have like magic. So like think think of some of the previous demons. I guess like Mugen Train that what kind of was because that was like their body. Their body was the train. Yeah. Um, but like this is like thunder. <laughs> yeah. Like. It's, and so that was cool mm-hmm. um, to see a, like, more than just, oh, this character is very strong. Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that both of these, um, we got a, a little taste of it with Entertainment Arts with the brother and sister, mm-hmm. but they seem to be revealing more about their lives before being demons because yeah. um, they were once human. So the... Everybody was once human at some point, even 
uh, Muzan was what like forever ago mm-hmm. was once a human. So with um, and they have like kind of more human-ish, like I don't know. Um, personalities i guess i don't know if that makes sense as far as like okay for example with like gyoko he's like really into art yeah. so like that was something that he carried with him from his past life yeah i guess that makes or sense if that makes, yeah yeah so like it, it's playing more into what i was saying about they're not just i am strong right yeah mm-hmm. um so yeah i also thought they're really cool i like kind of hyper fixated on Hatengu because I think it's so cool that I think that the the personalities that he splits into are really cool. Yeah. And they would they would make a great group cosplay. Oh definitely. Yes. And um it'd be hard, but yeah. Yeah. Um but I think I'm hoping to see some of you guys out there. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping to see some of you guys out there. I think it'd be really cool. Um and then the other like big thing that happened after, you know, Demons are defeated and stuff, right? Um, Nesuko has defeated the sun. It's so stupid. Like, <laughs> how? okay, how do you feel about this? How about her, like, being exposed to the sun and then just being fine? Actually better than fine. She's actually She's better yeah. than she was before. Yes, it is odd. I wasn't expecting it like i knew that there had to be some twist right because they're not just gonna let netsuko die yeah so they have this this whole like um battle of tanjiro's like do i cover netsuko from the sun or do i go and kill the bad guy essentially Mm -hmm. and netsuko was like go kill the bad guy like don't worry about me Essentially, she is willingly sacrificing herself yeah right because she is burning by the way she's like on fire and it hurts, obviously. So Tanjiro goes and kills the bad guy and thinks that he just sacrificed his sister. But then she... She's fine. She's fine. She just walks up to him and is like, hey. Yeah. Like, like literally, literally, hey. Um, I think... Um, it could. It's like... Pre- it's pretty plot holy. Yeah. For sure. I mentioned that it might be because they were the descendants of sun breathers. So maybe they have some special, you know, their family has a special connection to the sun. So the sun will never harm them or something like that, right? Um, Like no matter what, the sun will never harm them. So, I mean, I guess we'll see where it goes. I kind of like that Netsuko was all action yeah and all like emotive in the face me too i think it's definitely a case of they they made nezuko where she couldn't talk right and then they realized that's a little inconvenient Mm -hmm. and so they're like well i guess she can talk now (laughs) and that's what it feels like to me right so Season basically ends with that happening. Mm-hmm. And Muzan hears the news of there being a demon who can walk in the sun. And he wants to go and consume her or something. I don't know. But that's yeah. the um, the little cliffhanger that we get left on. So, overall, pretty good season. Yeah. 
pretty good season, very entertaining. Uh, next, we have Heavenly Delusion, which started pretty slow. Yeah. In in our opinion, yeah. we um the first couple of episodes did it they they were just kind of confusing i guess is the best way to put it mm-hmm. and because it didn't make sense we were kind of thinking oh where is this gonna go yeah what's you know maybe it won't be good i ended up liking it though mm-hmm. um maybe slightly hate watching it but for the most part i did like it i and i would watch a season two that's how i feel okay so i don't know if i would want a season two i feel I like it's already one, making it i, I feel like wrong, it's though. one of those shows that like like they make a first season it's okay and then they just never touch it again mm-hmm. because i think it was popular yes it was uh, popular but like I just didn't like it. <laughs> I didn't like it very much. Uh-huh. Um, there was like there were two plots going on at one time, one plot that was in the facility, and then one plot that was what we're pretty sure is like current time. Right. Um, so we have a we have a, a fan theory, essentially that what is happening in the facility is in the past. Yeah. Which is total theory was is not explicit in the show and we could be wrong yeah but but i'm pretty sure we're right yeah um but yeah so like the modern day arc the like exploring arc Mm -hmm. is like it's okay like it's it's not the best and it's because the reason it's not the best is because they give this weird plot line to it like it totally could have in my opinion, it would have been better if they just stick stuck with the plot line of, oh, we're trying to find heaven. So we keep going to these places right. that are called heaven. Mm-hmm. Or that's what they're looking for, right? Yes. It's yeah. a place called heaven. And they essentially keep asking people, have you heard of a place called heaven? And everybody has a different answer, right? Yeah. Because and it's so, the apocalypse. So they're going to, you know, just pick. Right. Yeah. And so halfway through the show they completely drop that and then pick up the other plot of oh we have to find this guy that i knew in my past and the doctor that made my body like this yeah and that plot line sucks (laughs) like the ending is terrible yes Um, yes and so i think that it was totally unnecessary while on the other hand the facility plot line was pretty good it was very confusing and nothing was really answered, but it was still intriguing. Interesting. It was yeah. intriguing, yes. Um, so, just some like highlights, I guess. So, in this, what we're calling the past in the facility plotline, Tokyo um, has twins, which shocks literally everybody mm-hmm. in the facility the adults and the children. Well, the kids don't actually know. The kids never learn. So, basically, Tokyo is pregnant and is you know, having the symptoms of pregnancy, but because she is a child. Um, and they are sheltering these, it's super um, utopian, sheltering the children, not telling them anything about anything. Mm-hmm. So Tokyo doesn't even realize that she has had sex and what that does. Basically, they kind of just perform the C-section 
and 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 they're like, "Yep, we cured we we cured you. Don't worry about it." Weird, but um, we have the theory that Maru, the main guy in the present, is one of the twins that Tokyo had. Mm-hmm. That's just a theory, though. Um, and also, so the show ends with the facility getting attacked before a test, quote-unquote test, which some of the kids think that the attack is part of the test, but it's not. And things just start to get really weird in the facility, and that's it ends very vaguely. In yeah. That, in that realm of things are happening, and then that was it. The season was over. Um, and then in the present line, like you said, it ends terribly. It, yeah. Like, it is pretty awful. So Kuroko finds Robin, who is uh, in in um, when Kuroko was a boy. That was his mentor, mm-hmm. essentially older brother you could think of. But now that Kuroko is in his sister's body, um, Robin only sees his sister, and it becomes apparent that he was a he was a predator towards her, and still sees her like that, and it gets very ugly. Yeah. Uh, Mara has to come in and rescue Kuroku and beat the shit out of Robin, and that's literally how it ends. Yeah. That's and literally then how it ends. ends that there is a monster inside the place that Robin was. Yeah, so we don't know what Robin yeah. was doing. That, that question is never answered, and Robin just kind of disappears. So, he's like alive still, but gone. And then the last thing that I just come, wanted to touch on, wanted to know what you thought of this is that Maru reconfesses to Kuroko, right? And says, I would like you whether you're a boy or a girl because I like you. What do you think about that moment? Because um, <laughs> we have some thoughts about this whole um, brother and his sister's body thing. Yeah. Um, honestly... I don't know how sincere it was. Yeah. Because it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, you can say that, but you've only known her as a girl. Right. And so the fact of her having a boy's brain doesn't actually really affect, like... How you perceive How her. you perceive someone. Yeah. And so in, like, the gesture is nice. The gesture was nice. I- I'll give it a nice. Yeah. But you're right. I mean, he could be... Um, Maru could be feeling sincere in the moment. I can believe that. Yeah. But I'm not sure how truthful it was. I think it's going to be one of those things where... This is really how I feel about it. It's one of those things where it's like, okay, we're going to bring it up now. Of like, oh, I don't care if you're a boy. And then we'll never talk about it ever again. Because I admitted now that it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that was also part of the ending. Yeah. So. All right, moving on. Then next we have Hell's Paradise. I like Hell's Paradise. Yes. I, li- I also like Hell's Paradise quite a bit. It got a little confusing towards the end mm-hmm. because people were splitting up, information was getting learned, you know, magical things were happening. So the ending kind of happens in a bit of a mishmash. 
Yeah. Is what, is what I think. Because we're also following so many different people who yeah. are in so many different parts of the island. Um, you know. That's happening. So, essentially, highlights for the end of Hell's Paradise is um, the Tensin, which are the godlike creatures, say that there is no elixir of life. Mm-hmm. Right? And, of course, that devastates literally everybody. Well, everybody who hears it. And now everybody is questioning why they're there. What do they do? Because they can't just return like, and, mm-hmm. and say, oh, it doesn't exist. Because no one's going to believe that. They're going to think that they just lust out. Yeah. And also, the Tencent might be lying. Yeah. Which I think they just might be lying. Yeah, because they it shows them drinking drinking something. something. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they're drinking something. So there's that. Yeah. Um. So it kind of started losing me when it got to the point of oh we have to learn this special ability to be able to defeat the the Tencent. Right. And then everyone just immediately learned it. Mm-hmm. Um. There, there are some that I give excuses to mm-hmm. because there are some that are some of the characters they were already using Tao, which is the like chakra life energy life energy yeah um, system, mm-hmm. and uh, some of them were already using that, just n- called a different thing. Yes, they just didn't know that they were using it. Yeah, but there are also some characters that it's like you weren't using this. Nope. Why can you learn this all of a sudden? Right. Like, why do you know this all of a sudden? Right. So, in particular, it's Gabi Maru. The thing is that or... with Gabi Maru, I thought about it more. Okay. Um, I don't think he was ever actually using it, but I think he was unintentionally using it. And that's how he was able to not die. Yeah, how he became, like, immortal. Yeah. So, from what I understand, Gabi Maru could see it, but not use it himself. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. So that's how he was able to deflect all of these attacks. It's because he could he could see the, the Tao, mm-hmm. the power. And then May, the girl who is now a woman, um, gave a really nothing <laughs> lesson. Yeah. Just because she doesn't know a lot of words, right? And Gabi Mara was like, got it. And, yeah. And he has it now. He has the power. Who is his executioner's name? Sigiri. Okay. Why can she use Tao? So I think and the um the Tensen says this in his little internal monologue mm-hmm. because whenever Sigiri is fighting this Tensen, he's thinking, Oh, weak, weak, I see right. weak, I see a weak one. But then she she gets in her you know, her headspace mm-hmm. of of executing, which she explains is like a very like a aware process of like making sure that it's a clean cut and everything right she's explained this before and suddenly she has a lot of tau yeah but it's when she's in her head it's not necessarily while she is fighting yeah she does not fight with tau yeah but she makes her executioners slash with a lot of tau mm-hmm. so I think that that is just how the Asimon have learned to execute, mm-hmm. essentially, is by using Tao to make it as quick and 
easy as possible. Yeah. So, I I wouldn't say that. I mean, she's she's using it for one move. Yeah. I guess is what I mean. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that she can't she can't really see it. Yeah. And she can't she can't she doesn't fight with it constantly. Yeah. I mean, she does though. That's the thing is that now every slash she does uses Tao. She's not like oh, being able. Oh, because it's because she's she's purposefully doing that. Yeah. Which has consequences. Yeah. Like later, she's it since Tao is um, like life's energy. Mm-hmm. If you use too much of it, then you like internally shut down. Yeah. Essentially. Um. So, team, because they're like I said, everybody's kind of split. So team Sigiri. Uh, Senta, R.I.P. He's the one that died. Uh, Yuzuria, they are... And then later joined by Xion and Nurugai. Sorry. Um, they are the ones who are kind of moving the the furthest, the closest to this mm-hmm. possible elixir. Um, and maybe kind of learning the most so far. Definitely. Definitely learning the most out of everybody. Especially since Xion just straight up is like, yeah, I use Tao, because I'm blind. Yeah, yeah, he just straight up knows how to use He it. just straight up knows how to use Tao. So, there's that. The, see, it essentially just ends with them being like, all right, time to move forward. And yeah. then, season ends. So, would watch another season. But that that was it. Yeah. Yeah, pretty good, though. Next, we have Skip and Loafer. Skip and Loafer was excellent. Skip and Loafer was probably my favorite of this season. Mm-hmm. I loved it so much. Uh, just a reminder, Skip and Loafer is a slice of life high school uh, show where the main character, Mitsumi, is a country girl who is just super smart, you know, super like gun ho, and she gets into a school a high school in Tokyo. So she's country girl, moves to the city shenanigans ensue right yeah um and what i love about this show is how the relationship between all of the friends the girls who are friends how they are all written yeah because on the outside these girls kind of stereotypically wouldn't be friends Mm -hmm. because we have the really nerdy one and then the really pretty one and then the one that tries really hard but doesn't think she's good enough, right? Those are kind of the three girls that we have. And through the power of Mitsumi wanting to be friends with everybody, they are all friends. Mm-hmm. And they do talk to each other about, like, the stereotype of, you know, the nerdy girl doesn't go with the pretty, like, doesn't hang out with the pretty girl. And um, the girl who tries too hard is always super jealous of the... Pr- it always has to do with this this freaking pretty girl who mm-hmm. like is not she's like not a bitch she's so sweet mm-hmm. <laughs> you know she's just like hot and she can't help it yeah. essentially right um, and I love how they interact with each other and how they support each other and how they gas each other up in front of all their other friends like whenever the nerdy friend brought her other nerdy friends in to look at the pretty friends um artwork that she worked really hard on and they kind of were like wow you painted this like like they didn't know what to say like she like 
gassed her up in front of her friends. She's like, yeah, she painted this. This is her dog. It's really cute. She's a really good art. Like, Yeah, she reads books. She reads books just like us, guys. She's just like us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I love how that friendship is written. Yeah. Like, all, all those friendships are written. I think it's so nice. I am always a fan of an awkward character. Mm-hmm. Uh, awkward main character. Right. Um, because there are, in the, in the ocean, in the sea of <laughs> OP, perfect main character isekai MCs, <laughs> um, it, is always ni- it is always a breath of fresh air to see a, um, a, slice, <clears throat> a slice of life cringe fail girl. Mm-hmm. Like, sh- her interactions and how she, like, talks to people is just so nice. Yes, and she's so sweet. She's not like she she doesn't visually look like gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Uh, she looks very awkward. Yes, and because she's a country girl, honestly, the sense of style questionable. Yeah, just saying. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, it was really good. The ca- all of the characters are great. Yes, I love them all so much. Mm-hmm. Very good stuff. Would watch another season once again. <laughs> I don't know if we'll get another one, but would watch another season. Mm-hmm. Um, next, we have My Clueless First Friend. Yeah. This was a incredibly average show. <laughs> like, uh. it, it's not like... This is not a show that I would watch a second season for. No. <laughs> it was cute for what it was... Um, if you guys listen to our What's in Season episode, we actually thought we would drop this one. Yeah. Because, and once again, I still say this with all the kindness I can, the art is very mediocre and kind of intermediate. Yeah. It, it's giving um, deviant art slide comic. Yeah, like, yeah, it looks like a visual novel. Lo- yeah, like, and, you know, it is what it is. It's all they went for. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. Uh, so, once again, slight recap of the story. These are elementary school kids, so they're very young. And that definitely adds to the trauma of it. Mm-hmm. And we have a girl who is always bullied for just kind of looking goth-ish she has the dark hair that covers the eye and she's quiet and shy and all that stuff and then we have a new kid who is super energetic and happy and wants to be her friend and loves being her friend and just overall like gets other people to see that she like you you guys shouldn't bully her essentially like like she's just a kind of cool she's just a cool person right um, of course, that turns into, like, like he, he has a crush on her, and she yeah. has a crush on him, like, cutesy little elementary school stuff, right? Yeah. Um, and overall, it was cute. Yeah, it was very cute. Um, there are definitely some times... <clears throat> so, the over... So, the constant theme is that she is called the Grim Reaper because she looks so gloomy. Right. And so he really loves that. He's, mm-hmm. you know, like the naive elementary school kid that's like, that's so cool. 
um, give me your dark energy and things like that. Yeah. And, like, that got a little tiresome. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be a little much sometimes. Mm-hmm. Although but, I was, it, it's also very sweet, though, how every time a, a kid tries to bully her and be like, ooh, don't touch me, I'm going to get cursed, or ooh, like, what are you doing? Are you summoning something? He just flips it. Yeah. He completely flips it, and that's that's really sweet. Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, there are, however, some really, some really powerful moments, like, throughout the show. Mm-hmm. Um, whenever she takes him to her mom's grave, and he makes the realization that, like, him calling her the grim reaper could have could be like really really offensive yeah um he it's really it's really powerful like and that was definitely like a turning point for the show because after that like all of the characters started being more friendly to each other right and just the plot actually progressed yes it did essentially this moment of him kind of having a, a like a, a he had like a snap and realization right mm. where the the night the, the naivete kind of took a, a back seat and he was like oh my goodness i i feel so bad that i've been saying this to you and of course she she doesn't mind yeah she's like it's okay like i understand that when you're whenever you say it it's coming from a place of admiration mm. essentially um i know that you never mean to be mean whenever you do it right um and they things do get you know awkward and, yeah. but they they talk it out and it's all fine yeah afterwards and that was that was a really good moment in the it show. was it was yeah. probably the best yeah probably mm-hmm. um but yeah overall cute yeah it was cute cute for what it was and then our last show is insomniacs after school insomniacs after school was probably my favorite show of the season <laughs> Because it scratched that itch that I love to be scratched <laughs> so much of what it eventually became was, oh, I'm, I'm a sick girl, but I'm really happy. And then he's like a depressed boy that doesn't understand life. And then they spend time together and then they both get happy. Right. And I just love that so much. I love <laughs> a great romance, a really good romance. It's a really not good like, you know, um, slow burn can be really tiresome because right. I want things to actually happen. To happen, right? And things, boy, do they happen! Yes. So, um, where this uh, show eventually kind of like builds its climax is the two characters Ganta in uh, Maguri. Um, plan a trip to rural Japan. Marguerite has a grandmother who has a house out there and they go on a like photo journey essentially where they go out to some rural historical site, take some pictures, camp, and then they do that for, I mean, like a week. Yeah. They do it for a while. So, and okay, so they're supposed to be at the supervision of Marguerite's sister which Mm. she dips after a while yeah after the first day after like the first day (laughs) yeah so they're having fun doing their adventures over rural japan they're relaxed mostly ganta ganta's Mm -hmm. just like relaxed out in the country right his 
worries have faded. He's having, he's doing things that he enjoys, right? Um, and that does wonders. So even his friends are like, you look healthier. You look like you're standing up straighter. And overall, you, you look mentally well. So Gonta is looking healthier and his friends are noticing. Everybody's noticing. He's also like just more confident mm-hmm. in himself, right? Yeah. So he's he's um, taking on big changes on this, big personal changes on, yes. this, on this trip, right? Um, so then there's a night, the fated night, yeah. where he opens up about why he can't sleep. Because we already know that Marguerite can't sleep because she had a heart condition. And she was afraid of whenever she goes to sleep, her heart slowing down so much that she dies in her sleep. Um, Ganta opens up, doesn't say, like, doesn't spell it out like, this is the reason I can't sleep, you know. Kind but of this trauma. is the But this is the reason why. he can't sleep. Yeah. It's because his mother uh, left in the middle of the night, like, just got up, like, abandoned the family left in the middle of the night and when Gonta woke up I mean she was gone yeah so it's this it was a fear of not knowing what the morning would bring right and it possibly being I mean absolutely devastating right yeah so he opens up about that he's crying and what does Marguerite do she kisses him yeah she kisses him yeah like what a trope right I know. what a trope so they have a kiss of course they have that little awkward like uh wait hold on kind of moment and ganta's like i'm i'm gonna go take get some air uh, accidentally walks into the ocean gets fished out of the ocean by marguerite they have a laugh about it and Marguerite says, don't, let's not talk about it until the end of our trip, right? So, um, the trip continues. Her mom finds out that she has been alone with a boy. So they have to kind of speed it up a little bit. They go and they, they essentially like, well, run away together. They essentially run away together to do this last, um, photo site last camping site and at this site is when Ganta says I love you and Marguerite doesn't say it back yeah yeah she doesn't say anything in she just says I'm so happy and she starts crying yeah um so they have a really nice night together then we have once again this is the last episode we have a time skip Marguerite is grounded and their picture won an award. So yay, maybe the astronomy club will get some funding. And it ends with them on the phone, but like not really on the phone. Together, Marguerite being like, oh yeah, I never gave you a response. So what I wanted to say is, and then she falls asleep. And that's how the show ends. Very cute stuff though. Mm -hmm. Very sweet, so well animated. Love the characters. Love their friends. Yes. Very good stuff. This was really the season of She's Just Like Me For Real. She's just like me for real. Honestly. I kept thinking that every single time (laughs) that she was on screen. Yeah. Well, I think that about wraps it up for this episode. 
Thank you guys so much for tuning in to this episode of the Kenichi Yeehaw podcast. I'm Natalie. And I'm Jared. And yeah, thank you guys so much for listening. Yeehaw. Yeehaw. Yeehaw.